0: Well, we are continuing on our sermon series through John's Gospel. And we've come to another one of those long stories of Jesus' interaction with an individual. And you only have a part of the story here. Because the whole of chapter 9 is the interaction of Jesus with the man born blind. That he heals. And so I'd encourage you at some point to actually go home. And when you go home, to read the whole of chapter 9 so that you get the whole story together. Because if you noticed in the very first verse, it said the second time. That gives you a hint that you don't have the whole story. And so it's important to really understand the whole context that Jesus had been. If you look at John 8, we talked about this last week when uh, the woman was caught in adultery, that Jesus was teaching at the temple. And and so we had that interaction And then we've had other interactions. For example, in John 2, the first miracle at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So we see he has this miraculous power. And then in John 3, the interaction with Nicodemus where he's teaching Nicodemus. And then John 4 where he teaches the woman at the well and actually ends up preaching to the people and many come to faith. John 5 where he heals someone. John 6 where he's teaching and preaching. And he does another miracle of multiplying the fish and the loaves. So you've got all these Individual stories that together paint this picture of Jesus' threefold ministry of preaching, teaching, and healing. In this one story in John 9, you have the whole package, if you will. Because it starts off with Jesus seeing this man and knowing because he knows a man born blind. And apparently he's not the only one who knows. The man must have been known for that. And so his disciples ask him a question. Is this man blind because he sinned or his parents? Now, that would be an odd question to us, most of us. So Jesus uses it as a teaching moment. And he basically says, that's not the point. You're missing the point. But Jesus is always driving at something deeper. And we sometimes always want to deflect, defer. Ask, ask extraneous questions that really don't get to the point of what God is about and what we're supposed to be about. And so Jesus will unpack what is going on. he says, basically, this is really about God working and God being glorified. So he's teaching, and then he brings a healing, and then he preaches later on and unfolds who he is to the man born blind. So we see in this one chapter the threefold ministry of Jesus all together, and it's a wonderful picture of Jesus and what he's about, and that he ministers out of compassion, that that's his heart, always his heart when he ministers. We see it over and over again last week with the woman. That he forgave. And when he fed the people out of compassion over and over again. Now it's interesting, blindness is something that most of us are familiar with. We've seen someone, we've known someone. For example, in this parish, I've seen a number of people that have been going blind or are blind because of macular degeneration. I had an aunt. When I was growing up who had diabetes and went blind because of diabetes. But in terms of being born blind, not many people are familiar with that. I've had a little bit of that experience in that my mentally handicapped little sister was declared legally blind when she was born. Does she see? They're not sure exactly what. Her optic nerve has no pigmentation. She can't distinguish colors. She can't write. She can't read. And when she goes to a new place, she kind of feels her way around. She can obviously see certain things, but we're not exactly sure what because she can't explain it. And growing up in Pittsburgh, like most cities, at least back in the 60s when you would walk around the city as a kid, you would see beggars and some of them were blind. But born blind, it's a rarity. And it's a hardship. Anybody who's had a sibling, a child, or a parent with a disability, it's a hardship. And in this particular case, it goes a step further. Because unlike today where we have social programs, back then, those social programs You actually have to take it a step further. It was a major hardship for the family because the person was considered cursed. They're not whole. They couldn't worship. And there was a stigma attached. And many people pity the family. I mean, I remember as a kid experiencing kind of pity from other people because of my little sister. I remember that. But I don't know if you've ever thought about this, and I think I probably think a little differently because of my little sister. Do you realize that they had to explain to this man what blindness was? Because what was normal for him was not seeing. How do you explain to a person who never saw what seeing is and that they can't see? Did you ever think of that? It's an odd thing to think about. and Maybe it's just my weird mind that thinks like that. But he knew he couldn't function like everybody else. And so the only recourse open to him was his family was going to take care of him all of his life. And he would probably be a beggar. And that's what I remember of blind people in the city of Pittsburgh. A lot of them were beggars. But it was a hardship. And it was difficult. And it was a challenge for the family. But this was a unique healing. I mean, if you caught it, if you caught it, the man even points out Has there ever been any report, any report of a man being born blind getting his sight? And you heard the prophecy of Isaiah. The eyes of the blind will be open and the deaf shall hear. And those who couldn't speak will be able to speak and sing joyfully. And the lame will walk. And we have all these promises of healing. But that doesn't seem to be on the forefront of anybody's mind at this point. But the man's healed. Of something that had never been done before. One of the unique miracles. Not only in the Gospels in general, but in history. History. And the man calls it out. This is unique. This is different. Something different is going on here. But you know, what's interesting even more than that. And if you study the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus always did what he did. Out of compassion. It's important to realize that. But above and beyond that when he healed this man physically that wasn't his ultimate goal you need to understand that if you stop there you miss the point Jesus always 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 was about spiritual healing he was about salvation he wasn't content just to do the miracle just to bring the physical healing because in reality Everybody will deteriorate. Everybody will physically run down. Something is going wrong with us all the time. I know I feel it as I age. I'm not the same guy I was 10, 20 years ago. I might look young. Especially those of you that have been around for 25 years and or more. But we all slow down. We all deteriorate over time. And eventually we're going to die. So the physical healing is temporary. What Jesus is after is so much more. He's about living life effectively now God's way. He's about our spirit. He's about our emotion. He's about our soul. And he's about eternal life. He's about salvation. Eternal life that begins when we meet him. And a transformation of life. And a transformation of relationships. It is so much more than just a physical healing. As miraculous as that sounds, and that's what everybody seems to always be after, is about the physical and material. It is so much more that he's after. For us. And we need to realize that. Because we get so fixated so often. On the material and physical. His goal was eternal. His goal was spiritual. His goal was your life. And your life eternal. And this man didn't come to the total realization of this right away by the way. I don't know if you caught it because, once again, you only got a partial picture. But I want to unfold how this man came to this realization of faith because it's really, really wonderful. And not everybody arrives at faith the same way and in the same progression and the same understanding. But when the man was healed, you need to understand that apparently Jesus just comes up on him. They know who he is. But we have no record of this man hearing Jesus teach or preach. And Jesus heals him. And then Jesus moves on. And the man never sees Jesus at this point, by the way. Never sees Jesus. Who doesn't know who he is? So when they start to inquire and question him, they said, how were you healed? And he said, well, there was this man, Jesus. He's a man. That's his first description of who Jesus is. He's a man. That's all he knows about him. And then as he continues to get questioned and probed and confronted, which is where our reading begins, he basically, it begins to dawn on him through reflection. And beginning to truly think maybe through scripture. This guy's more than just a man. Because in the Old Testament, prophets did miracles. And prophets talked about God. And so he's at least a prophet, so he states it out. He says, well, he's got to be a prophet. I mean, nobody does this unless they're from God. And then they question him further. And he says, wait a second, you don't even know anything about him. You don't know where he's from. Obviously he's from God, so he takes another step. So we see this unfolding. It begins in verse 11, then it goes to 17, then verse 33 where he says, he's obviously sent from God. Do you want to believe in him too? Now, actually, if you don't catch this, this is actually comical. And one of the reasons it's comical is because this guy, because he was born blind, has never been allowed at the temple because he's not whole. Now, he's addressing the religious leaders, and he's trying to evangelize them. He's trying to tell them about God. He's trying to tell them about how they should believe and they take a major offense. But what's dawned on him through the questioning and the confrontation and through just his own reflection as he speaks, as as he experiences, he says, this man is from God. There's something about he couldn't have done this because no one ever has.
1: No one ever has.
0: So then it says they drove him out. You need to understand what that means. Because it's really important. And it actually leads to the next step. Drove him out means that he gets thrown out of the the faith. He's driven out of the synagogue, driven out of the temple. He's done as far as the Jews are concerned. Now, what's fascinating about that, just think about it. All of his life he was born blind, so he's not considered whole, so he's not eligible to go to the temple. He's there for one day. Then he gets thrown out again. Interesting thought. But what dawns on him is they've missed it. They've missed it. So what does he do? He goes and finds Jesus. And Jesus finds him. And they get together. And for the first time, physically, he sees Jesus. But that's not all that's going on. Because throughout this process, he's coming to a realization about, this guy's from God. And i got to find out about him. And then Jesus says, basically, I know he's ready. It's the Son of Man. Insider language. And this guy knows it. The Messiah the Son of God and how do we know that because he worships him he worships him he can't do otherwise he's finally come to an understanding a complete understanding Of who Jesus is as this unfolds from a man to a prophet to someone clearly sent by God to the Messiah. That this guy has come to bring salvation and life. And I've just met him and he falls down on his knees and he worships him. So not only does he see physically, he sees spiritually. And that's what Jesus was about. And then we come to the end of the chapter and you've got the religious leaders who are looking there saying, oh, so we're the blind ones, I guess. And Jesus basically says, yep, you got it. And it's amazing how pride and unwillingness to open yourself up to the Lord will cause you to be blind. You may not see it because you're not willing to see it. It's your choice. God wants to offer you sight. That Jesus comes into your heart and brings transformation so that you truly can see. But as John puts it in his epistle, let me read to you from 1 John. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love, of the, the love of the Father is not in him. You'll never really experience this compassion that Jesus brought. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father but from the world. And that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees wanted. They wanted their prestige, their position to boast of what they know, their self-righteousness. And it's the world that captures us, you know, in a different vein, but very, very similar. My other Bible, the worldly one, The Economist. The most recent issue. This is an article, and it doesn't matter what the focus is. It's about basically one of the moral stands of our day. But it could be anything. Let me read to you what this guy writes. And he's writing about this particular area. And he's throwing in a couple of other areas that are connected. And he says, the people who say this is sinful is irrelevant. So in other words, if you believe that this particular moral stance is sinful, you are irrelevant. All right. But what he just said right before that. Um, People are the best judges of their own interests and should be able to act as they wish as long as no one else is harmed. But I'm irrelevant if I take a different stand than him. Interesting. But then he goes on to say, as he's unfolding his own position, that if you take the other position, that is wrong. Now, wait a second. I'm getting mixed messages here. Do you catch it? People need to understand that it's really, really fascinating that when the world takes a position and they are morally correct, even though it might be a different position than us. It's pride. Instead of being open to what the Lord has to say, what the Lord's way is. That it takes humility to really be open to the Lord. And the blind man, the man born blind, he had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. He was considered cursed. He was considered lost. And when he encountered Jesus, he not only got physical sight, he got spiritual sight. And that's what the Lord is offering. And so often, we miss it. And Jesus said. This happened so that God would be glorified. See, so often in our lives, what we want are the physical and material things. And when we get them, when we have everything we want physically, materially, oftentimes we don't really go to God for much. We don't really seek Him. I've seen people who come to the Lord, come to the church, you know, For example, after 9-11. And then after they get enough, whatever it is they were looking for, they leave again. It's temporary. It's amazing how faith can be temporary. Once we're okay physically, materially, instead of seeking Him and who He is, Because once we come to that realization, like the man born blind, we worship Him. We follow Him. We seek Him. With the whole of our lives for the rest of our lives. It's the hard times that often lead us there. It's the suffering. It's the struggle. That's when God is glorified. And that's what Jesus is saying. The fact that the the man was born blind? You want to assess blame. You're missing it. It's not about blame. And what's fascinating is because sometimes born to righteous parents were children like this that were born blind. They can't blame the parents. So they say, well, the child must sinned in the womb. Go figure. That's how ridiculous it got. You have to assess blame. No, that's not it. It's the tough times that when we really understand how God operates, that's when He is willing to come, rush in, transform us, strengthen us. That's what the cross points at: That Jesus, in His weakness, bore our sin, defeated the power of sin and the power of death at the cross. at a moment of weakness. Let me tell you, these prophecies from Isaiah that we read about, the Messiah coming, the eyes of the blind will be open that we can truly see Jesus Christ move beyond the physical. The deaf shall hear. We will hear the Word of God and understand that's truth for our life. The lame will walk that we can follow Jesus every day of our lives. That our mouth Those who cannot speak will be able to speak. We can sing his praise. And those in prison, imprisoned by sin, struggle and brokenness, that we're set free. Do you really see why Jesus came? Because he came that you might understand him to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord. And your life transformed until you're with Him for eternity. That's why He came. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes our minds, our hearts get so fixated on the things of this world that we lose sight of why you really came. We lose sight of the desire to walk and follow you, to seek to glorify you, to worship you, to live our lives for you. That we have blindness creep into our lives because of the world, because of pride, because of our own sin. Lord, I pray this day that you would open our eyes to the blind spots of our lives. To how the world would cause us to grow blind. That we might truly see and understand that you are the Messiah. You are the Savior. And you desire to be our Lord, to transform us, to cause us to glorify you and worship you. And to bring your compassion to a world that's in desperate need of sight. Lord, open our eyes this day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.